I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Yeah, we're live. All right, let's give everyone a chance. All right, I didn't uh, didn't tweet the old link. Let's get that done. Twitter.com. All right, where'd we go here? Some people in here. Just give it another second. Let me find this old, old dirty box score. We can get started. All right, it is up. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to the Broad Street Hockey Radio post-game show. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. What a uh, what a performance, huh? I uh, like honestly for most of that game, I really didn't think they were playing. It was another one of those um, they didn't play well enough to win, but I didn't think they were playing poorly until that stretch in the second period where they just went to sleep. I guess I. Maybe they just went to bed. Uh, Phil Kessel gets the scoring started at 9.35. How many Flyers-Penguins games are scoreless through basically the first 30 minutes? That was a surprise. Jordan Wheel gets it back less than a minute later. It's tied at one. So you go, okay, here we go. It's going to get get going. Game's picking up a little. What, 30, 37 seconds later, I guess, Ryan Reeves? Uh, gets his uh, second of the year, big number two for Ryan Reeves. Uh, that was that was fun now, wasn't it? Uh, Connor Sheary, uh, what, 40 seconds later, makes it 3-1. And then like a minute and a half later, Kunakle gets his second of the year uh, to make it 4-1, and that was basically that. Um, Flyers end up losing 5-1 to the Pittsburgh Penguins, not the way you want to start 2015 or 2015, not the way you want to start 2018 with a 5-1 loss to a a vulnerable Penguins team. This is not exactly the Penguins team that won, uh, you know, the last two cups. They just haven't been as good this year. They're way down in the standings with the Flyers. Um, this was this is how you wanted to get started. You're at home against your big rival. You can beat them, and you just come up flat. It, it, so many. Um, before I forget, I wanted one note I just had is I thought Gostaspare, especially in the first half of the game. Uh, in the second half, I really wasn't taking note of many individuals um, because the game just got away from them, and it was a it was just a shit effort in the second half. But um, in the first half of the game, I thought Gostaspare really really stood out, um, especially in the defensive zone. Pairing him with Provorov, I think, will pay off in the long run. I think it's good for both of them to have, you know, uh, another dynamic player. 
uh, with them to have that outlet and to not feel like everything's on them to be able to depend on their uh, to be able to depend on their defensive partner a little bit. Um, that Hague uh, Hague McDonald pairing wasn't great tonight. I didn't think Provorov had an especially strong second half of the game. Um, despite me liking the pairing, uh, I, I just wasn't thrilled with what I saw out of him in the second half, but I, there are going to be games like that when the whole team plays poorly. Um, you know, it's tough to, it's tough to single out individuals, but we are all just so used to a very high level of play out of Provorov pretty much at all times. Uh, I didn't love what I saw out of him tonight, but I didn't love what I saw out of pretty much anyone tonight. Uh, Brian Elliott just didn't have it. Don't know why they waited uh, the way they did. I guess they just wanted to get to the intermission before they pulled Elliott. I, one of those, like, I guess you don't want to embarrass him or whatever situations, but um, he didn't have it tonight. They didn't have it tonight. Something has to be done. Something has to be done to get this offense into high danger areas. Um, if you follow him on Twitter, you saw Jake Farringer's uh, heat maps tonight, uh, where the uh, where the scoring chances, where the shot attempts were coming from, and the Flyers' uh, attempts all from outside the slot through two periods. They had no attempts between the hash marks. That's not good enough. Uh, you're not going to win like that. Uh, Radko Gudis gets the uh, gets the Jordan wheel deflection. I like that play out of Gudis just because. Um, he held the puck. He waited. Uh, he didn't just blast right away. He he took it across, got into a better shooting lane, waited for Wheel to get up, get in position, and then he tipped it in for the goal. So I thought that was uh, that was an improvement, just a little thing that we see out of Radko Gudis a lot. He gets the puck, he shoots the puck. Uh, a little bit more of a patient play out of him tonight. But even with that, I, that's your only goal. Rad, Jordan Wheel from Radko Gudis is the only goal. If that's the only way you can score, you're not going to score enough to win games consistently, and that's what we've seen. This just keeps being a which team are we going to get tonight um, sort of sort of, uh, sort of, of hockey team. We keep hearing we need to be more consistent. We need to be more consistent. At a certain point, inconsistent is what you are yeah you're absolutely capable of going out there and matching firepower with the friggin tampa bay lightning um but then you come out and just play as poorly as you possibly can you know against the pittsburgh penguins tonight and okay it's all well and good that you can win that one game but you need to pack that up i mean you you, you beat tampa but you lost to florida so it all evens out because when you're looking at it you go okay we need to beat florida because tampa is going to be a real tough one well you blew it against florida so you had to come out with your best possible friggin' effort uh right before the break i am just so sick of watching this team be up and down, up and down. And I know I, I've said a bunch that I wish Hextall had just been a little bit more, um, a little bit, a little bit more honest about the, we're going to rebuild and compete thing. Um, because in our minds, we are all, um, you know, Ed Snyder, we are all in the Ed Snyder, uh, idea of competing means competing for championships. Um, clearly, that's not what Hextall meant. Hextall was saying maybe we'll be a bubble team while we kind of uh, revamp the roster. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that philosophy. I just, I don't know. I, I just wish they'd be a little more upfront and I wish they'd be a little more aggressive in terms of um, 
shipping out veterans in terms of playing young kids. There's absolutely – because if that's the case, okay, this is who we are. There is absolutely zero reason Brandon Manning is playing over Travis Sanheim. I realize you want to keep the same lineup that just beat Tampa, blah, blah, blah. Travis Sanheim was a 2014 first-round pick. He was Hextall's first pick as a general manager. If not him, then who? Why? 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 <sighs> Why? That's basically the title of, uh, of tonight's postgame. Uh, I don't have much else. I'm going to turn it over to the comments. Let's see what you have to say. And you guys, as always, will determine how long this goes. Um, I'm just going to scroll. Why is Konechny not in the minors? Because they need him here. That's something that has to be done is the empty suit behind the bench. Uh, yeah, I am not huge on, oh, uh, the coach has to show personality. You know, we need a more fired-up coach. But you have an instance where um, Andrew McDonald gets high-sticked. It draws blood. He's bleeding. Granted, it's like a small amount of blood, but that's it's not a rule that it has to be a gusher for it to be a double minor. Um, he's sitting there on the bench. There's clearly blood. And Dave Haxall just goes, well, I guess a single minor's okay. All right. Well, we'll just take the one. Nah. And there's no, there's no discussion. He needs to be screaming at that official because he got the call wrong. And an extra two minutes of power play time against the Pittsburgh Penguins is going to matter. It's going to matter. So I, I haven't always been on the, you know, Hextall or Hextall. Hackstall needs to get fired up more often because it's not his personality. The players see it, and it's just disingenuous. But every now and then, you have to be mad or, like, excited or something, right? Like, you can't be an emotional robot all the time. You have to have something in there. Is Hextall really just going to sit through this inconsistency for this long? Yeah, and I think the disconnect is... We're seeing they're inconsistent because, like, their depth is bad because guys like Dale Weiss and Yuri Laterra are playing every night, and uh, we still have to have, you know, Valtteri Filpula as our second center rather than bump up Scott Lawton, call up Mike Vecchioni, do any number of things. Um, but Hextall, I believe, looks at this team as inconsistent because young players are inconsistent. And generally that's true. Um But there are other reasons this team isn't performing as well as it could. And again, I don't believe this to be some Stanley Cup contender. Um, but they're better than they show night in and night out. And you see it when when they rattle off a bunch of wins in a row, when they go out and you know they match firepower with Tampa Bay, they do all those things, and then they just come out and just have have a five a five minute stretch in the second period tonight where they just didn't play, where the fourth line scores two goals against them. You know, like, it, that just can't happen. It's not just sitting in the slot. They don't make plays and skate into the slot. They settle for perimeter shot attempts. This isn't new. This is how Hackstall coaches. Yeah, it's it's definitely it definitely is uh, by design somewhat, but when I see players skating around the back of the net and then they just take it out again to the perimeter rather than centering it, um, 
someone has to get in there. Someone has to tell them this is where scoring chances come from. And it's what they did the first month of the season when they were playing pretty well. I say it all the time. Up until the loss at home that, uh, what was it, October October 30th against Arizona when they lost to Arizona. They had that comeback, pushed it to overtime, and then um, – and then they eventually lost anyway in overtime. But they played like shit for you know fifty five minutes of that game. Um, when uh, up until that loss, I thought pretty much every night I could take positives away from every game, even when they lost. They were in games. They were playing well enough to win them, even when they didn't. Uh, since then, those sorts of efforts have been few and far between. They had that nice little run uh, when they went out west and came home, and they rattled off those wins, but. Other than, you know, that streak, this has been a one-up, one-down team all year. This team has the talent. They have shown it. They are being led by a horrible coach. I blame the coach, but I think at a certain point, guys have to – you're out there with the puck. You're making the decisions. The coach isn't going to get upset at you for creating a scoring chance. No one has ever been sat for scoring a goal. If you go out there – and make a play, you're not going to get benched. So I have to put it on the players a little bit here. The system will only do so much for you. You also have to go make a play. AMAC, worst Flyers D-man ever. Yeah, I thought he's, um for the most part, not been as bad as... How do I put this? This season, Andrew McDonald, for the most part, hasn't been as bad as the seasons prior when I thought he was the reason they were bad. Um, but tonight was not a good game for him, and honestly, Robert Haig is not a good defensive partner for him. It's two stay-at-home defensemen who don't take chances and just aren't the most aggressive. They just, I just, as much as I love the pro overall of ghost pairing, it's almost like you can't put them together because of that. And when you have Sanheim in the press box, that's just one less guy who can initiate a breakout, who can lead, who can um, make a lead pass and just make plays back there. Cause it's, 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 it's about more than staying at home and defending, you know, from the corners to the slot, which Haig has been pretty good at. And honestly, McDonald has been better at this year. But you have to be able to do more. And when you have those two guys together, uh, it really shows that uh, neither of them are um, guys who can lead a pairing. They need call a timeout after the third goal just to regroup. I fully thought the same thing. Just you're 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 getting your brains beaten in. You just needed a and that's one of those disconnects with this coach. Like as much as I don't think he needs to yell and scream to be effective, um, he needs to do something. He has to do something to try to to just try to break that momentum that um that Pittsburgh had built up. I mean they get that second goal. They get that third goal. You can't let it get to a fourth. I I I don't know what he was doing there. That was a real. That was really um. That was really troubling. Can you comment on the double standard methodology Hack is employing? Young players scratch for mistakes, while vet players aren't. Is this really something that works? I can't imagine it works in today's game. Uh, the thing is, a lot of coaches do it. Um, it's not. It's not uh, exclusive to Hack. Um, 
I don't agree with it most of the time. And last year, I just thought of it like in a bubble. Okay, you know, Konechny comes out for a night. Ghost comes out for a night. It's not the end of the world, especially if you're asking them um, to execute something and they just aren't. If they just aren't listening. Um, maybe a night off just to watch and say, hey, you're not great. And it's not like they're being um, – it's not as if they're being defiant or something. It's just maybe a concept that one of them couldn't grasp. Okay, maybe you come out for a night, watch how, watch what I'm talking about. I actually sit down and watch what I'm talking about, and he's using that as a as a teaching method. Okay, but when it's constant and it is constantly the young guys and the players you're putting in are lowering your overall ability to win. Brandon Manning doesn't help you win games. Dale Weiss doesn't help you win games. Yuri Laterra doesn't help you win games. So you're taking young guys out of the lineup who you have you have invested in their long-term development. These are guys who are supposed to be around here for a while and should be leading this team when it's good. Um, I just I just don't believe in it. It's not how I would go about it. Again, in a vacuum, each individual instance, uh, you can sit back and go, okay, well, maybe, but when it's, it seems to be his only – he only has one thing. He scratches, guys. It, it just – it isn't a uh, – it looks like potentially someone talking about Giroux moving back to center. Uh, I really think that this move has extended Giroux's career and has extended his prime. Um he was asked to basically carry this team by himself for for years. He was he was it. He was the guy. And it really wore on him. He rarely missed a game. He played through a lot of injuries and he's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy. And he played um I don't want to say above his level because he did it. So he was that good. Um but he was asked to shoulder the load pretty much by himself. Uh after they traded Carter and Richards until, you know, this year pretty much. So now they're asking Couturier, you're that guy now, and we're going to we're gonna hook you up, you know. We're going to put some skilled guys with you. You're not going to be out there by yourself. Um, I don't like him back at center. I think this should be permanent, and I just think down the line it'll really come in handy, like when he doesn't have to play first-line minutes, when you can move him around the lineup. Hey, you know what he was good at early in his career that you had to get him away from just because you can't play 30 minutes a game? Killing penalties. Imagine if he's a Marion Hosa-style penalty killer who can take pucks the other way, you know, when Morgan Frost is here, when Vorobiev is up, and things like that. Um, maybe he's a temporary fix, but I feel like Giroux kind of – I wouldn't be surprised – if he was one of those, if he had said, okay, I'll do this. Yes, I will move to, I will move to wing. I will do what is best for the team, but do not bounce me around. Uh, you hear it a lot with, um, with pitchers who can, you know, come out of the bullpen or start, you know, I'll do beginning of the year. You know, you're asking a guy who started most of his career to come out of the bullpen and he goes, okay, I'll do it. Um, but in three weeks, don't tell me I'm starting. Like, let put me in a position to succeed. Giroux right now is in a position to succeed, and uh, I don't want to mess with that. It's one of the few positives of this season, honestly, is I don't believe um, the decline of Claude Giroux 
is or will as it appeared to be. Um, I think this saves him, and he's going to be able to um, keep up a higher level of production later into his career than I thought um, heading into this season, which is that's a positive because you're going to need him down the line. This is not on the rookies. Granted, Wheel hasn't been great this year, but remember when we brought him in at the end of the season and he jump-started the team, bring up Vec, bring Martell back, up or Limblom up. I'm for all of that, yeah. Um, I've always looked at Jordan Wheel as a uh, kind of a lottery ticket player. I just – I said, you know, this offseason when it was looking like, oh, man, he might, he might go to Vancouver. What's going to happen with him? I always said I wanted to see Jordan Wheel fail. I would rather see Jordan Wheel fail here than succeed elsewhere. I've just seen too many guys get away from this organization and have success. I wanted to find out about him. And I still think he has a role in this team's future um, as an eighth or ninth forward, a third-line guy who brings a little bit of scoring punch. You know, when they have three full lines, you know, and he's scoring – 15, 16, 17 goals a year, that will be really nice for this team. Uh, they just don't have that complete uh, – they don't have a complete enough lineup to fully utilize him at this point, I don't believe. Uh, this team is soft. Brandon Manning got – this ain't Flyers hockey. You do realize – Flyers hockey resulted in zero championships from 1976 to present. Like that doesn't win anymore either. You know, the, uh, the Penguins thought they were soft winning those last two cups, go out and get Ryan Reeves. And now they're at the bottom of the division with the Flyers. It's, Had the privilege of attending tonight's contest. The Wells Fargo Center is a funeral home. You know, I have thought that that building just isn't loud enough for years. Um, people, maybe it's just the mentality now of so many years of failure. People are just sitting on their hands and waiting. Sure, when the Flyers score, it's loud, but it is not a hostile environment. And when they're playing the way they did tonight, the crowd just goes dead. Crowd just goes dead. It's a freezing cold Tuesday night. A lot of people probably just didn't come out, which is crazy to think. Think back a couple of years. Even a weekday game against the Penguins would be crazy uh, sold out. Um, just the place just doesn't have any. It's just dead in there. There's just nothing. Players have been inconsistent since Laviolette left. Are we approaching the Richards-Carter frustration with this older current core, can we win with Simmons, Giroux, Voracek? Probably not Simmons. Simmons probably won't be here. But Giroux and Voracek will be – you're going to need veterans. You're going to need veterans when this team is good again, and they'll be fine. You don't want Daryl Sutter. You really want Daryl Sutter playing dump and chase with this team? Like, I, I, I don't know. Both Lappy and Murphy need to go keep Chuck, though. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what has Knobloch done, you know? I have no problem getting rid of the assistants, and Knobloch might be a great coach. I just don't know what he's done.
Offense is so broken because of lack of talent and bad unimaginative, unimaginative coaching. They definitely need some more talent, but I do believe um, little tweaks to this offense could really, really help it. Uh, I, I, I just – I will say it until I pass out or die – I have no idea why this team doesn't generate more offense from behind the net. And you have guys who are good at it. You have guys who are good back there. You have Nolan Patrick. You have Jordan Wheel. You have Voracek. You have Giroux. You have Konechny. You have guys who can make plays from back there. Even Philpola would be well-served from a behind-the-net type of, of role in the offensive zone. I just don't understand why they – Oh, yeah, let's just play from the perimeter and never score. I, I just don't understand. I just don't understand what this team sees. Konechny and especially Patrick are getting worked in all situations. Um, they've been better. They've been better recently. Um, Konechny, this is a learning year for Patrick, but he, I think I've... Uh, I think I've seen more out of him recently, but he's probably a guy who is hurt by the uh, – he is hurt by the AHL eligibility rules. Uh, he probably should be in the AHL this year. Um, but since he's not allowed to play, you know, it is what it is. Konechny, he's he just needs to be in a scoring role, and he is right now. Uh, I've liked what I've seen out of him most of the last couple nights. No one was good tonight. The U.S. is still ahead in the third. Nice. When is Hextall going to make any significant moves for this team? It's been four years. He built a team and hired the coach. It just seems he gets a pass. And that's more of getting to the um, – getting to the matter of I wish he had been more upfront about what kind of process this was going to be. Um, I don't see him making a significant move to improve this team this year um, because you don't want to give up young assets. That's what this team has always done is sell young assets too early for players who are going to help them make a run that they probably weren't good enough to make. Um, that's, you know, the history of the Flyers the entire time I've been watching them. Hextall came in and said, we're going to have a patient approach. Um, yes, I would prefer they be good right now because I got to do this every night. I would love to come on here and tell you how great they are every night and how much fun the games are and all that. But uh, I'm willing to continue to stick it out with Hextall because I watched the other way fail for so long so many times. Any worry about Provorov? None at all. Sometimes you don't have a great night. How long was TK on the top line tonight? I think he got a decent amount of time up there tonight. Uh, I haven't even looked at the TOIs yet. Where are you? Travis Konechny played 14-27 so, and got no power play time. That is fucking incredible that you don't have him out on the power play. Uh, meanwhile, let's see. Dale Weiss, 256 on the power play. Valtteri Filpola, 249 on the power play. Jordan Wheel, three minutes. 
Jesus, Nolan Patrick, 245. I just don't get it. I don't get what this coach is doing, especially when it comes to Travis Konechny. I hate the guys that yell shoot at any game I go to, but this is ridiculous. They keep trying to make the pretty pass. Get back to basics and get the puck net and clean up the garbage. Um, yeah, they definitely need to shoot more. Uh, that's just uh, – there's an area – there's one, one, one situation in which this team just is ridiculously awful at that I don't understand, and it's odd man rushes. By very definition, you have more than them. How, I don't understand why it's so hard. Like, it's so basic. Guy in the middle drives the net, split the defenders. The other two set it up. Uh, somebody. Just get a goddamn shot on that. There was a three-on-two tonight. Voracek made a cross-ice pass to McDonald, and next thing you know, puck's in the corner, and there's a puck battle. They didn't even give themselves an opportunity. I have no idea why this team is so bad on odd man rushes. Shoot every time. Just shoot every time, and at least the guy going to the net will have an opportunity to rebound. I They, they don't have one guy just crashing the net on odd mans. They... they they give they put too much space in between the two outside guys. Uh, they just make it too easy to defend, and you know they're gonna pass. And it'll be when the pass is completely taken away. The defenseman will be down in perfect position, have his stick on the ice, have his skate split, be able to split up this this pass, and they still try it. And like yes, Claude Drew can thread a saucer pass over a defenseman. The rest of the team can't, so don't try it. Put it on net. Worst-case scenario, you get an offensive zone draw. I am so freaking sick of this team passing, 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 and never even giving themselves a chance on odd man rushes. Who the hell is blaming Elliot for the loss? Sorry, that is brutal to say. He is the least of the problem out there. Uh, I don't think anyone's blaming Elliot, but he wasn't good tonight. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Team wasn't good. Neither was Brian Elliott. He's been pretty good all year. Um, he's their number one goalie. I'm not looking to replace him anytime soon, but he wasn't good tonight. I do like Morgan Frost as a prospect, but how much are we regretting that Braden Shen trade? Top two centers of Couturier and Shen look, looks pretty good now. Can't disagree. Can't disagree. It would be nice to have, like, uh, I don't know. Think of Giroux. Or think of, you know, Couturier with the top line. And then, you know, Shen in between, uh, I don't know, Patrick. Or Patrick, Jesus, I, my head is all over the place tonight. Think of Shen in between, like, a Konechny and a Simmons or Wheel and Simmons and Voracek back up on that top line or Voracek down with Shen and, like, Raffle. That would be so many combinations. It was – um, they got good value. They got two first-round picks, but uh, you're missing them right now. You're absolutely missing them right now. It's pretty bad when all we have is Manning to answer the bell. Toughest guy on the team is Wayne Simmons, and that's asking a bit much of him night in and night out. We need a couple of guys that aren't fun to play against. When I heard Ryan Reeves was coming over to the Pens, you just knew Sid the Kid was never going to get mugged again in Philly. All right, you realize, like, the Penguins are terrible since they acquired Ryan Reeves. Like, you need good players, not tough guys. Good players. 
I'm officially on the trade simmer bandwagon now. I can't see a reason to sign him to a long-term deal with a raise. Power forwards decline way too fast. Yeah, the biggest problem with Simmons right now is his, his value is lower than it's been in his entire freaking time here. You just kind of hope he gets hot um, heading into the trade deadline. Otherwise, I mean, you could get a ton for him in the offseason. He'll be uh, you'll, a team trading for him. We'll be able to sign him to an extension uh, on July 1st. So you'll be able to, if, if you want to acquire him, you can uh, you can do that. I if he was just scoring a bit more, if he just looked a little bit more like the Wayne Simmons we got used to, I just feel like you could really, really rip off a team at the um, at the trade deadline. Like uh, he is exactly what teams are looking to add before the playoffs: a goal scorer with size and grit. I mean, geez, uh, who doesn't need that every single year heading into the playoffs? And maybe he'll get hot. You know, he's streaky. Um, it's just – it's such a bummer that it's finally a possibility that maybe he gets traded and uh, he's playing his worst hockey he has since he's been here. Simmons for Galchenyuk? I, I don't know. I just feel like it won't be a uh, – only 23. He'll be 24 by the trade deadline. Uh, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. I just don't... Um, I would love a young roster player like that. Absolutely would love it. I just don't know if that's what the ask is going to be. I feel like it's going to be um, maybe a bit less of a productive young roster player a prospect and a pick. But if they got Galchenyuk and a pick, I mean, that'd be a hell of a trade. Absolutely. When are we going to get Limblom and Vecchioni into this lineup? That's a great question. Uh, I thought that Vecchi or I thought that Limblom would be up on December 28th. I thought that was uh, I thought that was a great target for him, but um, we're into the new year now. I don't see them making any call-ups. They have their, uh, what do they have, five days off after this weekend. They play the Islanders Thursday, Saturday, St. Louis, uh, Buffalo on Sunday. Then they have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off. Then they go to the Devils. I think if a, if a, if a change-up is going to happen, it's going to be uh, during that week off right there. So, hey, anything's possible, I guess. Hextall putting way too much into draft picks and prospects and not finding veteran talent to go with them other than Laterra and Weiss. Look how well the draft picks are working out for Edmonton. It's not the only way to build a winner. But you don't go out and spend until you know you have the core. You can't buy your core, which is what the Flyers have tried to do for so long, and it's why he's putting so much into this. Um, you look at what the Kings did. And the Kings invested, invested, invested. And then when it was time, they were like, oh, you know what? Let's go get Richards. And then you have all the you have all the ammunition to go get Jeff Carter at the deadline that year. And then you have the ability to go out and get a Marion Gabbert because you really need a skilled winger. And you can do those sorts of things once you know you have the core. Um, 
you can't go out and buy your core. And that was, that has been the flyers problem. That is what they have tried to do for so long um, with no results. And I don't blame him for trying to switch it up. Uh, Laterra was never supposed to play. He was supposed to be this team's 13th, 14th forward and um, injuries kind of forced him into the lineup. And now they just don't really have anyone else. He gets in the lineup now and then they win a game. He plays back to backs. I seriously doubt he'll be in the lineup on Thursday for the next game. He's not supposed to play. He's really just um, – he was a way to make the salaries work in the Shen trade. Shen made 5.1. Laterra makes 4.7. It was just a way to be able to extract a second first-round pick. That's what it was all about. Um, if you don't take Laterra, maybe you can't even trade Shen because of the salary cap to St. Louis. Maybe you only get one first-round pick. But if you offer to take that contract on because you do have some cap space, which Hextall has done well to create cap space for this team, uh, you get the second first-round pick that uh, that they got for Shen. So that worked out for them. But, you know. I understand everyone's frustration with uh, bringing in veterans, but what's the point of bringing in veterans now? You know what this team is. Um, the veterans are Giroux and Voracek and, hey, Couturier, I know he's only 25, but he's been here forever. He's one of the veterans. Andrew McDonald's a veteran. Philpel is a veteran. Those are the Simmons. Those are the guys you're leaning on to be the veterans uh, for these kids. Um, I'm glad they're not locked into anything. I'm glad they don't have any uh, long-term commitments outside of, you know, Jeru Voracek and Couturier. That would be the uh, – that would be a problem. If we had all these kids and they were blocked in the long term or we were going to be in cap trouble when it comes time to re-sign Provorov, things like that. Uh, like, as of right now, if they wanted to, they could make a um, competitive offer for Tavares this offseason. And that is um, – that is a testament to Ron Hextall's cap management. Simmons is hurt. That's why he's not producing. And then he has to come out of the lineup. Uh, you know, everyone's, got, everyone's hurt. This is the NHL. It's an 82-game season, and they beat the shit out of each other. I love Wayne Simmons. He might be my favorite flyer of all time. But, um, you know, I need more out of him. He's supposed to score 30 goals a year. I looked at the first three lines going into tonight and felt pretty confident. First period looked great, then nothing. Yeah, the um, I didn't I didn't mind the first period at all. Um, they've slowed it down. The Flyers have definitely slowed it down, and they're trying to uh, they're trying to win lower scoring games, which I don't necessarily agree with. But I can't argue that this season it's been their um, it's been their better formula, but Throughout Hackstall's tenure, I feel like they've won more when they've played high-event hockey. But when things are going poorly, coaches are always going to simplify, and that's what we have right now. Next year, Patrick needs to be on the Phantoms' first line. I, it depends on his camp, depends on what you get out of him. I mean, this is his learning year. This is his adjustment year. He is figuring a lot out right now. So next year he could come in and be absolutely phenomenal. He could be a really good third-line, second-line center next year. You have no idea. I'm not ready to make that assessment, you know, on January 2nd of this season where Nolan Patrick needs to be next year. Um, 
maybe he could have started this year with the Phantoms, but the sense of eligibility, he's not allowed. So just got to figure things out up here. In the long run, I think it's going to help his development. I think it's going to be a, it's going to be beneficial to him. But right now, it's it's growing pains. Tom Garvey, what's up, Bill? What's going on, Tom? Bill, when does our we're now good enough to try again start? Uh, next year, year after? I think next year you'll have a better um, you'll have a better mix. Some guys will be older. Some guys will be entering entering their primes. Some guys will be uh, just more more accustomed to the league, and you'll be adding some high end young guys in. Uh, you know, Oscar Limblom and players like that. Um, maybe Phil Myers makes the team out of camp next year. So um, maybe they go out and get someone, make a trade with maybe a Sam Moran or something like Samuel Moran. Sorry. Um, I, it's tough to say. This is a, this is a wait and see. This is a wait and see thing. You have to see how much better Nolan Patrick is, how much better Travis Konechny is, how much better Travis Sanheim is. And after that, you're you you're more able of making your assessment. It could be a month or two into the season before you really know what it is. Like think of the Flyers start this year. October was hot. November was terrible. December was up and down. And now here we are, basically a 500 team. Other than Simmons, who do you see getting moved at the deadline? Uh, yeah, Simmons is is likely. Um, Valtteri Filppula could very well. Um, be traded. I think. Um, I think a team looking for depth might be interested in a Brandon Manning. I think it's a possibility um, that, like a, uh, you know, look at those teams like the Blackhawks that have made runs with basically four defensemen, and they're always looking for like a a third pair guy. Maybe they look to add a a Brandon Manning, and you know, a, a Radko Gudis. Is uh he'd be worth something to a team, you know, a physical dude who can play uh, both ends of the ice. Um, you could get something for him too. I don't think there'll be a ton of moves. You know, Matt Reed's agent has had permission all year to find a trade. Um, maybe by the deadline, there'll there'll be someone interested in him. You know, um, but I think Philpola Simmons. And then maybe one of Manning and uh, Radko are the most likely to be traded. Would Broad Street Hockey be up for doing a live stream and a play-by-play? Would be nice uh, to comment during the game. I've thought about different ways to make this um, to make this feasible. Maybe like a. Um, just an audio stream. I don't want to get shut down over like broadcasts and the game and stuff. And, you know, we do have uh different, uh, you know, NHL and flyers granted accesses to the press box and things like that. So I would hate to burn that bridge over, you know, like a Facebook live video of the game or like filming it with my goddamn laptop or something stupid like that. So, um, Maybe like an audio stream of play-by-play. I've screwed around with ideas like that. It's just um, 
committing to it, having people who would want to do it every night. It's not something I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, once every two weeks, someone's free to do it. Uh, it would be a lot of fun. I've always wanted, I've always thought it would be fun to do like a, um, like an uncensored fan calls the game. Like you're just, uh, you're rooting and you're watching as a fan and you're also doing play-by-play. I always thought it would be a, like a cool thing people would be into, just about implementation. Um, maybe one day. Good question. Philpola is hurting the Voracek Raffle combo. Would like to see Patrick between them. Uh, Raffle is still playing really well, wins battles on the boards, strong on the puck. Yeah, I like those two as a winger combo. They have um, they have good chemistry together. They just don't have really a center that suits them. Um, I would try Lawton there for right now. Uh, you'd love. Nolan Patrick to be able to get that chance and maybe with two guys who are really good in the neutral zone who do drive play in Voracek and Raffle they'd be able to help uh, Nolan Patrick out he's been uh, a little rough in that area hey I'm willing to try anything at this point Um, but as of right now I'd like to see Lawton in that role but um, Nolan Patrick obviously going forward is a guy you want to be you know your number two center Time to promote Law to the second line. There you go, Cliff. That's yeah. Raffle's a really good player, but he took a really stupid penalty in the third. I know the game was out of hand, but it was still a huge mental lapse. Yeah. Um he's not I can't by the third period of tonight's game, I'm just I'm I'm through with it. I I you know. I realize you can't have that out of the players. They can't be out there acting acting stupid, um, you know, hurting the team. You have to play the same way all the time, have to play smart. But, um, again, in the second half of tonight's game, I have trouble pointing out any individual issues because everyone was bad. Uh, yeah, Raffle took a dumb penalty, and everyone else played like shit. So, you know, I love Raffle, love having him on the team. Uh, I think he's a really good middle six forward, but uh, – he is what he is. No chance Elliot is just slightly tired. I mean, he's probably a little tired, but it's not like they haven't had time off lately. Um, playing in back-to-backs always breaks you down, and maybe it's a little tough to recover after you do that. Um, but he's had some time off, you know, the last couple of uh, – last couple of weeks, last week or two. So it's – he didn't play great tonight. I'm not blaming him for the loss. But he didn't play great tonight. I'm not really worried about Elliott. Um, I want to see Norvert start the next game just to give him that rest. And it's – you know, uh, that's why you have a backup is to be able to spell your starter when he needs it. Let's see if that's what it is. Um, but I'm not ready to – you know. I'm not worried about Brian Elliott at this point. He has been exactly what he was brought in to be, a competent starter. As much as you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, they got to reunite Kuchji and Voracek line and let them get back uh, to that dominant line they were. I don't mind going back to it maybe in the third period of like – close games trying to mount a comeback but I do like putting pressure on um 
I do like putting pressure on defenses to have to defend both lines. Um, you saw it a lot in the beginning of the year. The Flyers would, you know, score eight, get shut out. Uh, if that top line didn't do anything, they got shut out. And it's because if you have a good checking team who has a very good night, you can take away one line. Um, forcing defenses to defend uh, Drew and Voracek with two separate, you know, uh, with two separate groups, uh, it just makes it a little tougher. But I wouldn't mind um, seeing them reunited for shifts, seeing them go to it in third periods, things like that. Bill, are you worried that interest in the Flyers is fading? My brother and some of my friends were hardcore Flyers fans just a few years ago, but now they barely watch the games. They're really frustrated with recent team history. Um, hockey's a niche sport. There's, you know, going to be 20,000 people at the games most nights, and, you know, we'll get our um, we'll get our views on here. We get our listens, but – People want a good team. People want to root for a good team. Um, they haven't been that. So, you know, when the, when they're in the playoffs, people will go wild over it again. It's just what happens. Um, you also have this year, I mean, the Eagles having the best year in recent history. Uh, you know, the Sixers are a big story. Um, every night they're a big story uh, whenever they play. So you have that on top of it. That hasn't been, you know, an issue recently. Uh, but now they have Simmons, they have Embiid. So it's like a thing now. Um, when the Flyers are in the playoffs, people will care again. That's the way it's always been. Bill Vex and Lindblom will get a call up with last game or two of season. I think they're up before that, especially uh, if they make a couple moves at the deadline. Um, if they make moves at the deadline – you know, they fill those spots with, with players like that. Why not keep Shen? Couldn't he be part of that core? Um, they made the assessment that he wasn't a core player. They made the assessment that his production could be replaced. Um, they made the assessment that at $5 million, um, he had reached his peak in what he was going to be, and he was going to be kind of a guy um, – kind of guy who rode other players' coattails to production rather than produced on his own. Um, he's been really good this year, though, uh, but that's the assessment they made. Um, Ron Hextall's always been skeptical of if Braden Shen was a, uh, was a core piece or not. Remember, Ron Hextall is part of the management group that traded Braden Shen to Philadelphia in the Mike Richards deal. So um, it's just uh, – you can't keep everybody, and I understand that. I would have liked to see Braden Shen uh, hang around. I think they got good value for him. But um, looking at what the team is right now, yeah, they could absolutely use Braden Shen. Trade Weiss for a hat. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got – two more years left on his deal after this year. It's really tough to move a guy who doesn't produce and has term on his contract. Um, uh, I could see, you know, Montreal always liked him. Um, I could see him being able to maybe trick Chiarelli and Edmonton into taking him because he's, you know, he's gritty and he's got size. He can get to the net. You know, you could maybe sell him on that sort of thing. 
But, uh, I mean, who would want him with two more years left on his deal? Your absolute truthful opinion. Is this team in a rebuild state, or are they truly invested in these players, old slash young, and believe this team is a competitor? They don't believe this team to be a competitor. If they did, you would have seen them um, keep a Braden Shen rather than trade him for two first-round picks. You would have seen them do more in the last couple of off-seasons than bring in Dale Weiss. You know, they haven't made any moves uh, that lead you to believe they're a contender. They signed a 33-year-old goalie to a two-year contract rather than pursue a Ben Bishop. I mean, these are the moves of a team that is just kind of waiting on their core to further develop. Um, they're invested in, in Giroux. They're invested in Contorier. They're invested in Voracek. Um, and that's it. Other than that, it's about the young guys. Our goalies are good, Butch. Our goalies are good. On the power play, was an extra two minutes of power play time really going to matter on the 47 high stick? Uh, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, well, who cares? It's just about, one, the players knowing that their coach is going to go to bat for them, and two, you never know what could happen on a power play. You have more guys than they do. Any number of things could happen on a power play. It's a chance to score. Uh, you have to go, and you have to give your your team the best possible chance of succeeding. And the coach telling the official, hey, you got this fucking call wrong, bro, is, is part of his job. What's he on the bench to do? Call out lines? Like, anyone could do that. What does he get paid to do if not work the officials and make sure that your team isn't getting shafted? All right, school. All right, guys, that's basically all the time we have for you tonight. Uh, it was a fun show. Be sure to check out. We are recording uh, new Broad Street Hockey Radio tomorrow at 4.15. We'll be streaming live right here on the uh, Broad Street Hockey Facebook, so check that out. It'll get uploaded to SoundCloud and iTunes and all that good stuff uh, after we're done. Um, be sure to check out our Patreon. It's uh, BSH Radio. A lot of good extra content every week on there for a uh, pretty low subscription price. Uh, definitely worth the money, so check that out if you are so inclined. Uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, I will not be here Thursday. I will be back for one of the weekend games. Um, I believe Steph has Thursday's post game. Kelly might have Saturdays, and I have Sundays. Uh, I'm doing this from memory, so maybe that's it. So uh, be sure to check them out. Always fun hanging with you guys. Always fun talking with you guys. Uh, it's always better after a win, but, hey, after a loss, you need someone to talk to, too, and I am fine being that person for all you guys. So thanks for hanging, and I will see you all this weekend. Take it easy. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. 
It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.